Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 88, Back to the Future Jokes Will Ensue. I am here. I am your host, Ken. And as always, I am joined by my good friend, Clint Jones. Clint Jones, tell the world hello. I'm just your good friend today. You're just I my have good no friend. occupation outside because, of that. No, you are unemployed. Uh, this it's, week, yeah, I yeah. have uh, I have determined that after all the controversies and all the troublemaking that you've gotten up to worldwide, <laughs> you sexist, racist piece of trash, that uh, you don't get a job this week. Uh, the world has canceled you. You're done. I'm going to get out my little tin can and ask for some coins as this goes on. I like it. Uh, be sure to tune in to Clint's comedy special on Netflix up next week. <laughs> I don't know. You're I don't controversial. Know You're canceled. I figured, yeah, Netflix special. Oh, I mean... Hey, if they're going to hand them out, I'm going to take one. I can't tell if this line of jokes is left or right. As I'm telling them, I'm like, that sounds too right. But then as I think they sound too right, they're too left. So I'm just going to go back to being apolitical. You're making fun of the controversial people on Netflix? I was making fun of the fact that it seems every time there's a comedian that gets in trouble, Netflix is like, we gotcha. (laughs) Like Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle. And it's just like... Are you a controversial comedian? Welcome to the Netflix family. They just wear big dollar sign glasses and that's all that they can see. <laughs> yeah. it's, and, and honestly, I watch it. So yeah, good on Netflix. Oh, well. I don't watch it because it's controversial, but I was like, oh, look at Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And tune in and then suddenly it's controversial after the fact. Everything's controversial. Well, I knew someone. it was controversial while watching it. I'm not an idiot. Oh, but okay. um, I am in a way a minority. So I, I guess it slipped through my grasp that it was important to get offended at that stuff. You mean just a 40-something white uh, male? You can say a privileged is, white male. That's, is not that's uh, my demographic. a minority? Uh, apparently, there's a bunch of us, and an increasing number of us are going Nazi. It's really strange. So, Clint, what are you watching about <laughs> this week? You don't have any uh, spinal injuries that you want to talk about this no, time? No, no spinal injuries. My son today just swiped an iPad mini for me that I use uh, and just decided I had given it to him at some point. And in the process, reset my Apple password and everything else to his liking. Um, this sounds like the logic of your son. I don't know what he was thinking. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what's what's going on in your movie world? Well, um, as you know, and I and the the world has come to know, um, William Friedkin died. Who, yes, yes, who did. you know done the Exorcist and mm-hmm. French Connection. And I was just telling you before we recorded, I completely thought poor Friedkin was dead for years. <laughs> I watched a documentary about him, and I thought like, oh, this is you know, it was released after his death. And I've just spent the last couple of years already mourning and enjoying Friedkin films, uh, thinking thinking he was gone. Is that ageist of some sort? You just see an elderly man and you're like no, assuming I, he's dead? I think I watched two documentaries at the same time and conflated them. Oh, okay. And probably the ending of one. That means somewhere there is some other celebrity or artist that is uh, dead, gone. Yeah. But I think they're completely <laughs> And you keep waiting for his next project sure, and you're sure. like, where is this? Sure. But all right, where are you going with Friedkin? Um, so I wa- watched a film of his that I had been meaning to watch for a long time. And I had um, recently, I'd, there's this um, really fun series on YouTube of, um, I think it's like a French um, 
like video store that has like um, different celebrities or directors mm-hmm. on to go through films that they kind of like the criterion thing, uh, the closet um, that they find important or just really enjoy. And Christopher Nolan was on there recently going down the, the row and picking out ones that is kind of influenced like Oppenheimer or um, that he was watching during that time while working on that. And one of them was Sorcerer by oh, William Friedkin. I love this movie. And this is one I've been wa- wanting to watch for a long time and just, you know, it would like cross my mind and then I would just forget about it. And this, I felt was the perfect time. And I... Did you know anything about it going I in? I knew the premise. Okay. So I knew, you the, knew premise. the premise. I knew because like, it has, it, it, like, I get the title. Yeah. Uh, but when you first go to this movie and it was marketed that way, it was marketed very poorly and people didn't know what it was. So nobody went to see it. I, yeah, I knew the premise of it. And uh, from years ago, hearing about it, like mm-hmm. having that confusion, but also thinking that name is awesome for a film that's not even about that in any way. <laughs> yeah. I love that, that yeah. whole idea. Yeah. But, um, Man, I I love this movie awesome. so much. This is probably one of my favorite watches I've had in a long time. Um, I was, man, it, it just you can just feel every frame of this film and like what they went through to accomplish it. Um, just you can, I don't know, like that you it has that perfect, um, you know, seventies feel, mm-hmm. but also like how he captures the the South American jungle is yeah. so like raw. I don't know how to describe it, but, and there's just like, there's real danger and yeah. stakes in this film. And um, it's not often now that you see a film like this, like made, there's yeah. very few where you actually feel like somebody is in <laughs> harm's yeah. way. And, but like, there's so much control within like the cinematography and in the just the mood of it and the actors are all fantastic. Um, Roy um, Schneider is awesome yeah. in this, and um, he's a much better actor. I guess I always just pegged him as the guy from Jaws and did not realize how important he was yeah. in seventies and eighties cinema. And and he probably it, it even goes back into the sixties, mm-hmm. but he was a big deal. And when you go back and watch these movies, it's really clear why. He's a really solid and believable everyman yes, kind of actor. For sure. He's not like a movie star looks yeah. kind of guy. Like a, he's a very ordinary um man and he always does a really great job of like like pay, playing that kind yeah. of character. But I, I could totally see that this was made by the same director as The Exorcist, mm-hmm. just the pacing and wise. And yeah. that was one of Nolan's complaints about it, like that, like he, the the pacing of the early parts of this film. But I love the coming oh, really? together of the team. Yeah. And I, I like that they take their time. It feels less scripty that way. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. definitely feels like there's that's another thing about that I like about 70s films that the that they feel less less scripty. Yeah. They weren't in a hurry to, you know, hit uh, point A, point yeah. B. They would like meander a little bit, let characters grow. And this does that for sure. And I love just, you know, spending all that time with each characters, yeah. like where they were before, how they got to this situation. Yeah. But if, man, if you haven't seen Sorcerer, Seriously. like this is going to definitely be on my list of like um, films that I've discovered that are older for the year that I loved. And uh, man, I, I just need to, I need to get a, co- a copy of this and just have it on the shelf for a rainy day. Yeah. The The last time I watched this was probably 2020. I watched, uh, I had seen it before that, mm-hmm. but I watched it right in the middle of, of lockdown 
Uh, it was my kind of depressing at the time. Um, depressing is the wrong word. It's just I was in that mode. Yeah, and yeah. that movie really worked for me. But that truck scene uh, oh. is incredible. And yeah. you can just feel uh, it's much less about creating an effect and more about surviving a very real thing that they just decided to put on camera. Yeah, And I love that feeling. And you get that in those early uh, kind of Silver Age films. Yeah, I just love like that whole time period of like Werner Herzog did it with yeah. um uh what the it's a Fitzgerald girl yeah where they take the boat over the, the yeah mountain. like where they're yeah. just like we're gonna do this thing for real just and see what happens and film it and um, that one was not as successful <laughs> <laughs> but, but still just like that whole yeah, like that just, the ambition of the it. ambition of it yeah. is just amazing and I I wish there was a little bit more of that in yeah. filmmaking today. Yeah. Uh, well, the the first thing I watched is, uh, man, now that we're been following Sorcerer, cannot possibly compete. <laughs> uh, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. Uh, went to see that in the theater. Uh, it's good fun. I, d- I did not enjoy it as much as the latest Spider-Verse movie. Yeah. Um, and this one, I sat there watching it, and there were times I'm like, I bet this is what Clint was talking about when he didn't like the original Spider-Verse movie, or, or not that you didn't like it, it just it didn't work as well for you. Watching uh, Mutant Mayhem on the big screen, the animation is incredible. I yeah. love the style, but it was very hard for my mind and eyes to track what was happening mm. when things got really action intensive. And it, it almost became more of a chore to mm. decipher what was happening on screen. Again, just every now and then, but it was enough that it kept pulling me out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, I, I love this new era of let's just try a, a different style of animation and yeah. let's make it sketchy and let's make it different. And um, I love what they're doing there. I I think, um, it, you know, in, in this case, it just, man, a little bit less would have been so much more. Mm. Uh, but overall, it's it's a fun nostalgia trip uh, for anybody that, that loved Ninja Turtles. It definitely gets that right. And this is pretty much the first time that I felt like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are actually teenagers. Right. Uh, it, they are it, kids basically yeah, doing the voices. Yeah. It really had a good feel with that. And and they had fun and and kind of subverted some expectations. But I'm looking forward to watching it when it comes out uh, on Blu-ray so I can actually understand what the heck just happened in some of the scenes. <laughs> My brother saw it and he really enjoyed it. Yeah. And honestly, the trailer, I am so much more into the animation of this than really? than the Spider-Verse. Yeah. Just I feel like it it it's doing a similar thing, but I feel like it pushes it a one step further mm-hmm. where it somehow that that style they're going for feels more, you know, believable to me mm-hmm. in some way. So I'm looking forward to seeing it when I, it comes I was out. surprised how much sketchier yeah. And raw it is compared to even the trailers in a good way. Yeah. Um, they they went much further with that style than I was expecting. Um, and it was just, you know, a lot of times it was just a marvel to watch mm-hmm. uh, what they were doing with it. And uh, just thinking through the process of creating something, it's CG yeah, animation. Yeah. And so you're creating something incredibly refined and precise. Right. And then you're intentionally... <laughs> soiling it and mm-hmm. dirtying it up and twisting things. I don't think there's a perfect circle to be had in this thing. <laughs> and it just, it has such a cool, it's like flipping through somebody's sketchbook. Right. Um, I just, it, it was, it was good fun. We had a group with us. So uh, we had a, a mess of people that were like Levi's age and a little mm-hmm. younger and they absolutely lost their minds. So good for them. Nice. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Um, the next thing I watched was this little indie that I came across um, 
Apple has a really cool section on theirs of like, it's kind of like a new and notable or like mm-hmm. recent, it's called recent discoveries. Yeah. And so that's just like things that they've discovered that um, I guess you're not really keeping your eye on. And this was on there and I had never heard of it. And the trailer looked fantastic. So I gave it a shot, gave him my five ninety nine, dollars And uh, this is called Moon Garden. And this is directed by uh, Ryan Stephen Harris. Okay. Um, and this is um, my elevator pitch for this film. And I've seen other people make this comparison too, is Mad God meets like Alice in Wonderland. You just had <laughs> right there. I have never heard of this and never anything, but that... It it's like Mad God if it had more of a narrative structure to it. Oh, um, keep, keep whispering or, in my ear, Clint. This is <laughs> like the the human, you know, the the like middle yeah. section of that movie where it's yeah. like humans kind of take yeah. over and it's not just stop motion, but it's very stylized. It's like that, and this is about a little girl who uh, falls into a coma and she gets transported to this very Mad God world, and it's like very steampunky and. Um, and really crazy and very well done. And what's it called? Um, it's called Moon, Moon Garden. Garden. And adding it to my queue right now. <laughs> I actually texted you about this movie. Really? And, yeah, and I I didn't get any response, but that's that okay. <laughs> and, probably means I either had a hundred other texts yeah. or I just ignored you. It's hey, it I'm accepting that in this world. time in my life that you Man, just ignore me. That hurts. But. Man, this this is definitely an independent movie, and I will say the weakest part of it. There's, um, and it's not even that bad. Like there, the early the opening sequence, like where she's with her family. Mm-hmm. Like the acting is a little independent mm-hmm. film, but not that bad at all. Like, and and it doesn't take away from the movie at all. But the little girl, who is actually the director's daughter, and that that I, Ooh, that, that could tone, be a... No, she is fantastic. Really? Okay. She, that... She's like, I think they started and she was like five. And by the time she it was like, you know, everything was over with, she was like 10. So they would Did just- Did you see that on screen? No. Oh, no. Okay. So I think like it was like post-production wise. Gotcha. But like in like while filming it, it might've been two or three years. Mm-hmm. And- and she is so believable and good hmm. that you could like it had to be her da- his daughter because what he gets out of her hmm. and you like feel like she's actually kind of in danger at moments but like you oh, can wow. tell that because she's he was taking care of her and typically if you were describing something where the director put his kid in it it instantly it just i thought you were about to give a negative no do you remember that i think it's that check um that alice movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it has that kind of feel okay. where it feels she's a very real hmm. little girl, mm-hmm. but in this like very supernatural, okay. um, su- surreal um, situation that she's in. But they do a really great job of just like you know threading the, her you know normal life throughout as like this w- with her family. But the world building of just this surreal world she's in is so good. Your your description is reminding me of Pan's Labyrinth. Does it have a Pan's Labyrinth yes, vibe? Yes, that, okay. that was the other descriptions like people okay. had kind of like you know equated it to. Yeah. Um, but it much more um, lo-fi in a really great way. Um, I I really like this film. Okay. Uh, the next thing I watched, I was actually really excited for, even though I, I saw reviews were kind of middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's called Sympathy for the Devil. Mm-hmm. And it's Nick Cage and uh, Joel Kinnaman. And it's about uh, these two nameless characters 
and uh, the one played by Nip, Nick Cage in full Nick Cage mode. Uh, Can we call him dyed Nip red Cage? hair, Nip Cage? Absolutely, Nip Slip Cage. <laughs> Uh, full, full, like cherry red hair and just uh-huh. woohoo and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh, having a blast on screen. He gets in the back of this guy's car mm-hmm. while this guy is Joel Kinnaman is on the way to his wife delivering a baby, and essentially just puts a gun in his face and makes him drive. Uh, and I really thought and hoped <laughs> from the trailer, <laughs> this is literally Nicholas Cage is playing some sort of demonic entity yeah. messing with this guy. Mm-hmm. And man, so much of this film, I was on board and I'm like, that's totally what this is. Uh-huh. Uh, even though you, you start to figure out that that this the guy driving is not just a mild-mannered family man, that made it even more like, okay, uh, this is, you know, the devil messing with him and mm-hmm. I'm getting ready for like a crazy third act. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, there's some really good stuff here. Yeah. And then uh, lots of no, no, no. Uh, maybe if I hadn't gone in with that expectation, I would have liked it a little bit more. But yeah. I don't think much more because it was suddenly so ordinary. Mm. And without without what I was perceiving to be some sort of cool supernatural element, it's really just uh, this this kind of low-rent revenge thriller mm-hmm. uh, of sorts where you're just trying to figure out who these two people are while they're shoving guns in each other's faces. And, yeah, no. Yeah. So, yeah. I almost, like, two-thirds of the way through, I almost texted you like, Clint, <laughs> I rented this thing, jump on and watch this. Uh-huh. But I waited because I oh, learned right. from previous experiences yeah. that when I do that, the movie automatically turns back. <laughs> Sure enough, uh, I, I saved you an hour and a half, I think. I mean, Nicolas Cage is still fun. Maybe it's yeah. worth a watch. Um, uh, but You know what yeah. that's a sign of, Ken? What? Learning and growing. Learning. I, I am. I'm learning yeah. and growing as a person. Thank you, Clint. At this age, it's amazing that you're still doing yeah. that. The more you know. <laughs> what else you um, got? So I did, I went down another film in that um Apple recommends section. Mm-hmm. And this is another little indie that I had not heard of, but the trailer won me over. And I was like, here's another $5.99. Take it. And uh, let's see if um, I'm rolling the dice this time and I'm going to win. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and this movie is called Lola. And mm-hmm. um, this is from 2223, a recent film. This is directed by Andrew Legg. And this is a... Um, I'll just read the synopsis for this. Uh, 1940, uh, Tom and Mars have built a machine, Lola, that can intercept radio and TV broadcasts from the future. Um, and so basically it's about the these two sisters who build this machine. And like it said, it can pick up these uh, these broadcast from the future and they start getting into like music and film and things from the future that like you know, they're not even aware of existing, uh, like, because it's 1940. This is a new movie, though. Yes. It just takes place in 1940? Yeah, 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 yeah. It takes place in 1940, and it's kind of like a found footage-y kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and they start getting into, you know, music and art and stuff, but then, like, the Nazi occupation is taking place, and they start getting um, early signs of... uh, like bombings and stuff. So they start like 
passing this along to the military. And it's about kind of the consequences of in what they're affecting in history by doing this and how they're is kind of having repercussions. And um, the style is super fun for this because it's like found footage, but it's also um, in this 1940s cinema style where it's mm -hmm. very grainy and black and white. And they do fun stuff where like, because they're both inventors, they invented basically eight millimeter cameras before um, before they were uh, around. So they're filming it that way. <laughs> and uh, like since they're getting the music, like there's a little bit where she um, invents synthesizers beforehand. So that kind of affects music. And um, but it's really it's a it's very fun. Um, and they do it like kind of in that primer style where mm -hmm. it's more about the ideas and they're not necessarily having to show all these things, but they do a really great job of interming intermingling like um, news footage from the time mm -hmm. from the like uh, the Nazi, um, you know, war, the World War II going on. And, <laughs> you know, you, know, you were about to say occupation. It left your mind. And then you're just like, you know, well, the thing with the, I, the W's. I already said occupation, the... but I, I, okay. I meant, yeah, World War II. <laughs> You know what I mean. I follow. <laughs> and um, so it's just about how they're affecting history and how they get tied up in, uh, in you know, the war machine and all this stuff. But they're also, it's like a fun, you know, sister, like sister relationship story too. Um, but it's got a lot, you know, for a little indie film that's like trying to do these big things. Mm -hmm. uh and like you know going through history and science fiction and like the um nailing that time period of mm -hmm. just broadcast and stuff it's cool it's okay. a cool film I right. i'd recommend it all right already had it it's my list too i've done this thing now <laughs> where i remember i have a magic box from the future yeah and i can just add your recommendations so i don't have to remember them yeah and you yeah. don't even have to invent it yourself man helpful like these hint to those at home entrepreneuring little uh, young girls yeah yes. yeah yeah. Uh, so uh, the next thing I watched, uh, God help me, um, <laughs> I only watched it because it feels wrong to so frequently criticize something mm -hmm. without uh, at least giving it a shot. Okay. And so I watched Fast X, which is the 10th installment of the Fast and Furious franchise. And this is by far the most crowded and ridiculous of the Fast and Furious films with what I can only describe as Jason Momoa uh -huh. possessed by the spirit of like, I don't know, Heath Ledger trying okay. to do some <laughs> weird eccentric Joker, uh -huh. but in the Fast universe uh -huh. with cars occasionally, because now that's the, the Fast and Furious universe has basically reached a point where it's just occasionally cars. Uh -huh. It was all cars. First movie. What it's is definitely taking, all cars. Second movie. What is taking the place of cars? Just cars, family? Just everything. Yeah. Car, family. <laughs> cars, tanks, uh, shuttles, rockets. This series throws anything vehicular at the screen. And uh, it, it really just feels like somebody has gone in a room with toddlers, mm -hmm. handed them a box full of Matchbox cars, yeah, Hot yeah. Wheels, and just filmed them playing as the animatics for this movie. It is so north of ridiculous that uh, it, it really, uh, the, the MCU would really, I think, hit you 
at the level of Sorcerer if you just watch a Fast <laughs> and the Furious movie uh-huh. before a superhero movie. Uh, because the superheroics in superhero movies, so much more believable yeah, yeah. Uh, than what happens in these CG monstrosities. I, I get it. People love these things. Mm-hmm. God love you for loving it. Uh, you enjoy what you enjoy. But I just, I watch the whole thing and I don't get it. And I was laughing out loud at times, not because the movie had engaged me, uh-huh. but because I could not believe that somebody had spent probably $200 million on this thing. Mm-hmm. And it probably has gone on to make plenty more than that. They've already greenlit 11 and 12. Uh, so we live in a world. Mm-hmm. Where uh, Blade Runner 2049... Can't get a second one. Can't get a second one. Yeah. Fast Furious. Oh, man. Those things are coming out like Dunkin' Donuts. Dozen at a time. Follow <laughs> me. <laughs> I thought you meant like one on every corner or something. No, that too. That's Starbucks, that too. I guess. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Not around here. No. This is a very Dunkin' area. Yeah. We got a couple. A couple. Yeah. yeah. All right. So so I, I took one for the team, so you didn't have to, Clint. <sighs> I'm surprised you're not trying to force me to watch it. No, because... I, I don't do that to you anymore. It's yeah. the disdain that you look at me with. <laughs> it's it's a it's a borderline hatred yeah. that I don't feel comfortable with in my home. And, uh, <laughs> you're afraid we're a lead, like yeah, yeah just yeah. like arson or something. No, it just it it hurts. It hurts. It's it's searing. I, I'm at least I have that kind of power. I, you seriously do. You got that look. <laughs> um, the last thing I'm going to talk about is season two of The Bear on Hulu. Ooh, I have not watched any of this You're yet. Not. I've heard so many good things. Um, I really enjoyed the first season. I was stressed out the entire time, but also recognized the level that the, the, sh- the show was operating at mm-hmm. as far as just, you know, writing and directing and the amount that they can pack into like 25 to 30 minute episodes where you never feel like these episodes need to be any longer than that because Mm -hmm. they're so packed in a really good way um, that I can't believe it sometimes. But man, season two is even more amazing (laughs) than season one. So I need to get on this. How many episodes per season? Uh, 10. Okay. 10. Um, But what I... What season one was lacking a little bit, the season two makes up for, because this one, they did a really good job the first season with this, but this season they give every character like kind of like their own episode and more of a rounded arc to them, <laughs> mm-hmm. where you like get a sense of them as people outside of the restaurant atmosphere, mm-hmm. where it's just high stakes all the time. And where season one was, was about um, this char- the main character taking over this kind of family business or Mm -hmm. his brothers this one is about him making it in in the image of what he wants it to Mm -hmm. be and so it's about him like kind of fulfilling his dream and making this team of people um to this to the level where he thinks they can be like not that he where he wants them to be where he sees their potential Mm -hmm. and that's the kind of like this season is really sweet and you just kind of fall in love with every character even the ones that are like the season one were really annoying but you kind of saw kind of like this season does you see their potential and this one is you're seeing them get to the level that you knew they could be and it's i there's love like episodes where i'm like this is the best 
episode of television I've seen this year. Hmm. And then the next episode would even be better. And I'm like surprised by it. And also super stressful in moments throughout Mm -hmm. the season, but also such more depth to it that I wasn't expecting. And I walked away loving this show this season. And the first season, I just recognized the quality of it and enjoyed it. Um, I feel like I've got four recommendations from you I need to watch, (laughs) and I've I've given you very little. I'm going to go watch Fast X. No, no, no. I heard that as a ringing endorsement, so I think I'll watch it. (laughs) Uh, The last thing I watched, I was was sick for a couple of weeks uh, with headaches and spine issues and fun. Uh, And I took inspiration from you. And uh, they were on Paramount Plus. I didn't even have to get up to throw a disc in. I binged the entire Mission Impossible series. Yeah. And I got to say, uh, you were dead on in your assessment mm-hmm. of it. Um, especially once you hit four, four onward is just a roller coaster uh, in yeah. the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Three's pretty good, but Three's you, still can, good. you can see kind of the transition a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. it's still a really good story. Yeah. Two was actually better than I remembered, mm. but it's still definitely the uh, lesser of all of them and and not one that I necessarily enjoyed watching again. It was more just realizing it wasn't as terrible as I yeah. I had sort of cooked up in my memory. And one was, was really good, but one feels like a completely different yeah. universe. Uh, it feels like much more of a kind of throwback to the 60s series. Uh, than from, you know, two onward, which becomes a very modern kind of high-tech spy thriller series. I had totally um, forgot that Brian De Palma did that yeah. first one. Yep. Yeah. Brian De Palma did the first one, John Woo the yeah. second one, J.J. Abrams the third one. It's it's had a string of yeah. just um, Brad Bird did the fourth one. Now I'm going to lose it. But anyway, um, yeah, it just uh, now I'm now I'm really geared up to watch the next one again. Mm-hmm. Um and then see what eight has to offer when the writer's strike, I guess, uh, and the actor's <laughs> strike kind of wraps up. Yeah, we're up to, uh, we watched five. It mm-hmm. was the last one. Um, so I need to get Jenny to watch six. Mm-hmm. But man, five, I had forgot, is so good. Like, I love the pacing of that mm-hmm. one where that, like the whole opera scene oh. is so, like, it's just silent, like them just pacing around, like watching yeah. out for each other. It's so the it's so good, and I had forgot about that. And I feel like the first time I probably was feeling it was a little bit boring, but I've you know my taste has changed kind of radic like quite a bit over those years yeah. of seeing it. That like it, that one works so well for yeah. me. I completely missed the the kind of Hitchcock homage from oh, that right. whole sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why, because I had seen, uh, oh, I forget which movie it is with the opera scene. And anyway, I had seen that before. It just, I had not connected for some reason. Yeah. Um, but regardless, it's it's still a really good scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that transition was hard because there's so much expectation going into it. Whereas now I feel like they have a, a consistent rhythm. Yeah, um, yeah. That that really feels like it's part of the same series, yeah. and again, I feel like it just keeps getting better. Which is, uh, you know, again, when when comparing to something like a Fast X, which just throws more characters and more insanity at the screen, it feels like Mission Impossible is fine, just keeping things ambitious but relatively grounded. 
It, yeah. It's not interested in breaking reality or or trying to manufacture your excitement. It just gives you genuinely exciting situations and stunts and lets them breathe on the screen. They do a really good job, too, of like kind of one character in, one character out. So yeah. it never gets crowded with characters yeah. either. And like always somebody replacing somebody else. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, gives the stakes even another level of like somebody could die or like it gives, but it gives a plenty of time to get attached to those, those characters and like before they, they, they go uh, or die or move on or whatever. Um, But yeah, like even the earlier ones that I like the Brad Bird one, I remembered not enjoying that much the first time this time I, I, Really liked it. There was, I had no problems with it. Other than this time, like some CGI sandstorm yeah. stuff is a yeah. little dated, but it's like doesn't really take away from the movie in any way. No. No. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's so good. Yeah. Give it a shot. It's all on Paramount Plus. Yeah. Just stream them one after the other. It was, I, I had a really good time mm-hmm. uh, considering, you know, my spine was leaking. <laughs> so uh, this week, uh, because of, of my various issues, we are behind the times. Uh, and we actually saw Barbie and Oppenheimer mm-hmm. when they came out. We actually saw Oppenheimer in 70 millimeter, which was quite a treat. Um, but we're now just getting to recording it. Don't hate us, uh, but we are going to. Uh, is it Barbieheimer? Oppen Barbie? Barbie? Barbieheimer? I don't. Japan got really offended, and obviously, I don't know why Barbenheimer. Yeah, and I don't understand why. Did you hear about that when when I they started understand. marketing? I absolutely, <laughs> and I couldn't believe nobody realized. Even before they started the advertising campaign in Japan, yeah, like don't do that. That's <laughs> wow. Like as a fan campaign, it was cute, but once the studio grabs a hold of it, like no, right? Oof, no, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, we're going to talk about Barbie. We're going to talk about Oppenheimer in seventy millimeter, and then our Cinetron pick, Resurrection, which is a movie Clint and I both discovered separately and really, really enjoyed, and have been itching to talk about since. But let's start with Barbie. Barbie has already grossed literally a billion dollars worldwide. If you type Barbie movie into Google, your entire Google page goes pink, <laughs> buttons and all. That's Sparkles. how much that's how much money Barbie has made. Barbie bought Google. Uh, <laughs> but here's here's the basic plot. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. This is from director Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. uh, who is, uh, you know, they're really grabbing above their pay grade for a Barbie movie, which I appreciate because um, she's she's quite a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it stars Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling, uh, Will Ferrell, Emma McKay, uh, Simi Liu, Michael, Michael Sarah. Sarah, Kate McKinnon. God mm. bless Kate McKinnon. <laughs> uh, it's It's got a little bit of everybody and anybody. Clint, uh, what did you think of the Barbie movie? I like this movie quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think you were expecting me to say, eh, it was all right. I did. I did. Yeah. I really did. I... I think that's just in comparison to my um, excitement I had for it, mm-hmm. but I did really enjoy it, um, and I was surprised by it a lot of the times, and delighted by Ryan Gosling's performance and just how goofy he is. Yeah, and just it's fun seeing somebody, especially like after recently rewatching Drive, mm-hmm. um, just how 
goofy he can be, that's kind of delightful. And how much fun he can have at his own expense. Yeah, yeah. Um, is nice. For yeah. sure. Um, I, I went with my wife to see this, and I think my thing that I would have changed, I don't know if my opinion, but my viewing experience was... And there's no fault to the crowd at all, but like there was a crowd full of very young kids mm. and girls. And this is a PG-13 movie. Mm -hmm. And there's some like lewd jokes in this, mm -hmm. like nothing crazy or anything. But I had to keep reminding myself that I am not the one out of place here that they are. Yeah. So there would be yeah. certain jokes where I would kind of cringe at them. Yeah. And then I'd be like, because I'm surrounded by children. So that was kind it's of... It's not a sentence Clint often utters. I was surrounded I by children. I avoid them at all costs <laughs> most of the time. Um, so I was like just keeping that in mind that I, maybe I would have enjoyed this if I was able to laugh freely at mm -hmm. some of the, the content of the film. But it, it didn't hinder it that much. And I, I... I just enjoyed this film. Good. What did you think, Ken? Uh, I, I really enjoyed this film. I went with a crazy group full of uh, women and teenagers, and I, I think there was one other guy with us. Uh, and I had a, a, a really good time. But I'll tell you, the women I was with, uh, <laughs> including my wife, lost their minds. Yeah. This was uh, just everything that my wife has wanted to hear articulated uh, from a, from a satire. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was just having a full on blast. Um, I, I was having fun for different reasons. I was, um, enjoying the, <laughs> the kind of pop culture jabs and, and the timeliness of it all. It was a little on the nose at times. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's also watching the reaction to it. Mm -hmm. It, kind of struck me that maybe it has to be on the new the nose if as a society people are going to get that worked up about a barbie movie talking about feminism like really did you think that the doll line that was all about women can do anything from day one was going to have some sort of you know family values kind of well find a husband girls it, it just it, it I, I don't know. So so mm -hmm. I'm kind of back and forth. For me, it felt a little on the nose. But then watching the reaction, I feel like, no, it needed to be said that bluntly. That's. Um, I think that's where I was, too, about, like, I was going to actually bring this up of, like, the benefit of just saying the thing, mm -hmm. where I sometimes enjoy, maybe sometimes, not that they're, like, you skirt around it or anything, or you're just you know, it's subtext to a, to a film, but sometimes I don't know if I like to work a little bit more for mm -hmm. the, you know, the message of something mm -hmm. rather than, cause I don't know if that gives it more staying power or, um, something to dive into, to get at what like the, the director or the artist is, is trying to say. Um, so I was wondering what you felt about that. Like of just mm -hmm. saying the thing, like saying, like in pointing out the flaws of, you know, a whole, um, sub category of humans. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I kind of don't, I don't know if I blame, blame the people who are offended by it. You know what I mean? 
Like, I'm not offended by it, but I can see, like, because it's so clear mm-hmm. that it's getting kind of a backlash in, in mm-hmm. some way. I, and I don't think they're right for it. I, I could see where it wasn't marketed. Yeah. It, it was marketed as a wide appeal movie, mm-hmm. which means every dad with a daughter probably took his daughter to see it. And so I, I get why there's such a volume of Do you think it's those people but... who are having the backlash or just people who haven't even seen it are hearing about what's yeah, the Yeah, that continents? definitely, it has definitely taken on a life of its own. Yeah. You know, that that first weekend to that Monday and Tuesday when it really first started hitting and it was on Fox News and all that stuff, I think that was people who were legitimately complaining, uh, legitimate strong. I don't agree with them either, but like I could understand, oh, you got, you feel you got lured into the movie uh, under false pretenses and just took your daughter to see something you thought was going to be, I don't know, Susie Homemaker. Yeah. And you just were dumb for thinking that. Like I, I, I never felt that way about it or didn't expect that to happen because oh, it is yeah, Greta, Greta Gerwig, Gerwig. and yeah. just the, how she operates in her other yeah. films. And yeah. I, I love her films and um, wouldn't expect anything less. I was actually really surprised that Mattel went along with this every yeah. step of the way. It's it's really, I came away like, man, Mattel is ballsy. Because uh, it really, they took jabs at their own mm-hmm. product and history and and all kinds of things. I thought that was really uh, interesting. I wasn't expecting that sharp of a knife right. uh, to its own throat. Um, the Will Ferrell character, I, I liked, but then didn't understand why. Uh, he leads a brigade to Barbie land. Mm-hmm. I thought uh, when, you know, she first comes to the offices and things like that, they had served their purpose. It just felt like after that, oh, we got Will Ferrell. Let's keep him in the mix. But didn't feel like they really had a story yeah. for him. But everything else, Kate McKinnon, especially with Weird Barbie, mm-hmm. Michael Sarah was great. Um, the the War of the Kins. Uh, there, there's just, there's a lot there that I was not expecting and just found myself kind of giddily laughing out loud at. I think um, maybe it was a pacing thing that was like slowing me to say I absolutely love this film mm-hmm. because there is, I, I love the whole setup of her having to go to the real world and find this girl. Mm-hmm. I was expecting more of her in the real world trying to like, because it's so easy for her mm-hmm. to hunt down this girl that um, I was expecting more yeah. of a, you know, not a struggle, but a a, a story arc in that. And um, I, th- I thought the real world, too, would be a little more straight and less cartoony. Yeah. The real world felt as cartoony as Barbie Land in a mm-hmm. different way, but it, it felt like a character of things. Yeah. And I totally get what they're going for. It's it's not like they stumbled into that. That's a an intentional decision. Um but I feel like toys come to life and just our society would have been interesting enough on its own. They could have made the exact same commentary. And I, I wonder if the commentary would have hit a little um, easier or harder, uh, kind of both at the same time, if it were just our world. And like, no, our, our world is really messed up. And just yeah. give me a straight look at our world. And I think that would have been more poignant than... I think they do that yeah. in in the time frame they're there. I think, like I'm saying, that if they had spent more time there yeah. and it was spread out to see, you know, our world as our world, it maybe would have had a little mm-hmm. bit more 
oomph behind it because it's just so quick. Yeah. And I was expecting, and like, cause they kind of get out of Barbie land quick and they get out of the real world quick. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what if I, what is I expecting out of that part mm -hmm. of it? Um, but I, I do think it was like, I, there was nothing I didn't disagree, disagree with in it. Like it was just, I was so, I was surprised by how blatant and blunt they were with some things. And maybe that's, if you're kind of gearing it towards this new generation coming up, mm -hmm. just saying the thing is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, Greta Gerwig said that she's got sequels aplenty in her mind. Yeah, like yeah. She was already thinking of other stories. So it wouldn't just be a cash grab sequel, although I'm sure the studio will think of it that way. <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious what comes next. I think if it's as on the nose in the second one. Yeah. Uh, that would bother me more than just if it's I'm establishing this world and I'm going to say some things out loud mm -hmm. so that this story and future stories can benefit from like, this is what I am. This is what this movie is. Yeah. I, but at the same time, I think there was some really lovely, just like subtle moments yeah. of like, I love that moment where she's at the bus, bus stop oh, yeah. and with the older woman. I'm so glad nothing came of that. I kept thinking they were going to loop back around on like, oh, this woman is, and they didn't. It yeah, was, it was just this moment, and and the movie has a lot of those, and yeah. I, I enjoyed that. I, and I'm wondering if I if I the overarching, you know, bluntness of certain themes that are throughout were done in that way. If I would have reacted differently, I don't mm. know, but I, I I think it was done how it should have been done, and also just curious how I would have reacted if it was done in another way. I don't, I don't, I have no I, I think fault that with people it. that already agree with it just found it very affirming. It's not like yeah. they learned anything. Yeah. And people who needed to learn what right. it had to say were put off by the manner in which it said it. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of on one hand preaching to the choir and on the other hand, not being subtle enough to right. get any real change from somebody that, that might need to hear it. Yeah. It's kind of like watching like John Stewart or the or yeah. John of Oliver or something where it's like it's going out to people who already are thinking this way yeah. I, maybe but it might get through like like I was saying oh I'm surrounded by these kids that are there and some ounce of it might get through to them mm -hmm. that they weren't like because I mean I'm sure so much of it was above their head yeah that um but maybe later in life they'll remember it and think about it different like that kind of like, yeah. you know, sex relations like between the, men and with women yeah. in a different way. But uh, it seems like the kind of movie that could ingrain itself in a kid's head and they yeah. continue to watch it over the years. For sure. And they and grow it with takes it. On. Yeah. yeah. I, um, could, I could definitely see it having some interesting power uh, in that regard. That would be interesting to see. But I, by the end, I, I mean, I really liked where the resolution of Margot Robbie's yeah. Barbie, um, her character ends up in the last joke of it. I, <laughs> I kind of expected it yeah. just from where the rest, but I love that she did that. It was such, it was a really good last line of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of sweetness to it. Yeah. Um, but there were some you know, fun action sequences, dance sequences, like the whole beach fight scene <laughs> is so funny. It's like, it's really funny. Yeah, it's it really, really funny. Genuinely. Yeah. Uh, on, in, in so many different ways. It's not just one note funny. They just keep finding new ways to to do things that are 
just a little bit different. Yeah. It just keeps expanding. Uh, next up is Oppenheimer. This is a movie, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure the color pink appears nowhere in this film. <laughs> Watched in 70 millimeter, I'm pretty sure the color pink is completely absent from Oppenheimer. Barbie stole it all. Uh, Oppenheimer is kind of the long-awaited Christopher Nolan uh, biopic of Robert Oppenheimer. And uh, here's the synopsis. During World War II, Lieutenant General Leslie Groves appoints physicist J. Robert Oppenheimer to work on the top-secret Manhattan Project. Oppenheimer and a team of scientists spend years developing and designing the atomic bomb. Their work comes to fruition on July 16th, 1945, as they witness the world's first nuclear explosion, forever changing the course of history. Uh, this, again, uh, directed by Christopher Nolan. It stars uh, Killian Murphy, Florence Pugh, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Rami Malek, Jack Quaid, Matt Damon, and others. Clint, what did you think of uh, Oppenheimer? So, so we, we had quite a journey to go see this. Yeah, and <laughs> let me just say, so I brought my son because he loves history. But my son is going he almost through became history. a medication change. And so he was annoying on the way to the theater. And on the way back from the theater, he was just in full war vet PTSD mode. Mm-hmm. He just kept picking fights with me. And I just, I don't know. I got tired of it and just started picking back. It wasn't <laughs> a pleasant journey for Clint. No. Um, no. It, it just, it was, it was something. And on top of that, we're... Uh, you know, just going about our business, going to get on the highway. And of course the highway is completely shut down because of a construction yeah. accident. Yeah. And so we get diverted a hundred different ways. Yeah. And we, on our way, we also run into, uh, in all the mess of everyone trying to get to where they're going, another accident with these delightful bros <laughs> Who man, they were just, had their board shorts on. I think one had SpongeBob on their shorts. They were having such a good time and didn't just realize that the car in front of them stopped. They were going to the outlets or something to get some more board shorts <laughs> or like go to the American going Eagle. To zoomies. Zoomies, yeah. 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 And yeah, they get into an accident. I felt so bad for these bros. And like my favorite part was the one who immediately started he got out and started trying to push the car. Yeah. And looked at himself with just disgust that the <laughs> car wasn't it. moving. <laughs> And, you know, the car is just smashed up front. So it's, you know, not this poor guy's fault, but that was his first thought was, I'm stronger than this. Yeah, he knew he was stronger. I felt so bad for him. I wanted to jump out and help him because his other bro was, he was more concerned about, you know, the accident and trying to get this guy who, like, they ran into, you know, information or check out what's happening. But man, yeah, and then we had to um, endure your son's... uh, He was fine (laughs) during the movie. Yes. Uh, to his slight, slight credit, because I was worried. I was like, I swear if this kid talks and fights me in this movie, oh, it's going to be done. Yeah, luckily he was interested in yeah. seeing the movie. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, so it was, uh, it was a day. It was a day. It was a full it was a day. day. It was. And, um, yeah, we did see this in 70 millimeter, but I will say, did we make a mistake because this was not 70 millimeter IMAX? Correct. So I found out later that the closest 70 millimeter IMAX is actually in New York. Oh. This was a 70 millimeter yeah. print, but it was just standard 70 millimeter, yeah, yeah. Uh, similar to what they did with the Master. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and things like that. Still gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, so what I thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's important, <laughs> you know. 
my son, the there bros, was, the 70 millimeter. There was a whole day that clouded this experience. Yeah, it so really I did. like there's it's just a whole thing. And yeah. um yeah, there was a movie involved too. So Oppenheimer. I I was quite excited to see this movie. I uh, fluctuate in my enjoyment of Christopher Nolan movies. Like I'll, the, there will be one that'll really hit me and it'll make me excited about, you know, his filmography again. And then like Tenet will make me just confused and baffled and mm-hmm. not under like a movie that I have to back up a hundred times to, you know, get the whole uh, context of. But I was excited about this one because I was hoping it would be more, um, oh, what was the other one? The World War II one he did. Uh, Dunkirk. Mid- Dunkirk. Yeah. And I love that one. That was one of my favorites that he's done because, you know, it's pretty straight. He messes with time and like tells the story in different, you know, yeah. time um, through the lens of time, basically. So I was hoping this would be more along the lines of that. And we would kind of get this very kind of straight character piece. And um, the... For the most part, I I enjoyed a lot of this film, but there's a lot of this film I just did not care about. Um, there is a lot of falling action after the bomb goes off. Yeah. And you know the bomb is coming. It's like the Titanic. You know yeah. it's going to happen. But it happens probably an hour and a half, hour 45 in this movie, and there's still a solid hour, hour 15 after that. Yeah. And it really feels like... It's, after that <laughs> it's been a while since i've i can't even think of the last time where i was in a three-hour movie and felt the three hours yeah. Yeah. um and and i disagree with your assessment that i was when we came out <laughs> that you're like so bomb and you were good <laughs> and like no that's not the whole thing i'm so interested in that story of of the Manhattan Project, and the yeah. I love the the moments of the scientists coming together and him struggling with the consequences of doing this thing, yeah. which is there, but it slow so quickly just gets into courtroom drama mm-hmm. of him is he a communist, and I just did not care about that at all. I would have rather that played out in real world scenarios instead of court-like proceedings. Yeah. Uh, and and maybe that would have been too far off of realism, but I would have at least appreciated this search for who the person is at the center of all of this. Yeah. Rather than watching a lot of people sit in a lot of different rooms. Yeah. And you kind of keep reminding yourself that this doesn't necessarily ha- have to do with, you know, what we had just watched for an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah. It's more about jumping back to his before that and where he was in his life and was he a part of the communist party and was he like just at the the whole the whole thing of robert danny jr's character just picking like up all this stuff for because of a grudge which is not even very clear in the movie why he's holding a grudge like at all yeah like until you like it's said much later but I wanted the man, I guess what I didn't want was an Oppenheimer story and more of a Manhattan Project story and the the consequences of that and yeah. where he is afterwards and what the work he's trying the immediate to- immediate after. The immediate yeah. after and the work he's doing for years later, trying to keep the US in check yeah. with this power. Um, 
that w- that stuff was more interesting to me. It's there, but it's it's very level C, level D. Yeah. Uh, below what else it's it's trying to do. Yeah. Um. This this to me felt like a movie where. Imagine there was a four-hour cut and Christopher Nolan knew he had to take out an hour. He took out the wrong hour. Yes. And left in the wrong hour. Yep. Um, because all of that stuff at the end was the hour I I struggled with. Yeah. Whereas, man, Pack at the beginning of that movie, give me more of him with Einstein. Give me more of him with these different scientists yes. that you that you know popping up in their For namesake. Sure. Yeah. Uh, give me more of of the guy who eventually you find out was spying. Yeah. Like, give me that kind of stuff and, you know, set off the bomb. However you play with time, set it off 15 minutes before the end of the movie. And then 15, 20 minutes, give me that stronger kind of action at the end. It, it just felt so drawn out. Yeah. I, was, I was much more positive about it until you challenged on it. And then it just got me thinking, and the fights with my son certainly <laughs> soured me. Um, but you know, I, I, I think at the end, my my take is I was excited that he was really enjoying it, yeah. And I think that increased my experience. If I had just gone with you, I suspect I would probably be closer to where you're at. I I know I enjoyed it more than you did, but um. I I can definitely see where if I watched it again, I bet that last hour really drags. Yeah, like I really was questioning, like, man, I can I do this for another whatever forty five yeah. minutes? Just just because, like, I think in a if this had been a series six mm-hmm. part yeah. like um, Chernobyl series, and that was the like uh, a thread that was throughout this, mm-hmm. I would have been fine with it. Um, but even then I felt like it was repetitive. Like yeah. the more I thought back on it, yeah. it, it, it did the same thing too many yeah. times. There was too many moments with Robert Downey Jr.'s character where I'm like, no, we already learned that. Yeah. No, we already learned that. And mm-hmm. I don't need it restated. And we were shown it at the beginning too. Yeah. Um, and also I, I would have loved to, cause there's so many great actors playing bit parts, um, of these scientists, if that was spread out more and you got like, cause there's very little time to breathe with any character yeah. because they would introduce another one. There's, there's moments like, um, which, uh, safety, like mm-hmm. he gets a couple moments. I think, um, that, um, Emma, his, uh, wife, Thompson, Emma Thompson, not Emma Thompson, Emily, Emily Blunt, Emily Blunt. Sorry. I was Sorry. just like, Emma Thompson is Christopher Nolan's uh, wife. That's why I got confused. Yeah, Emily I'm Blunt. I'm sorry. No, you're good. You're good. That was my fault. Um, well, I gave you the wrong first name anyway. That she's very good in the film, but like you could have given them more time as this couple and getting a real sense of their dynamic. Like there's yeah. a couple scenes, but you could, if that was... Because I keep seeing people praising that whole storyline that she's a much more developed character than a woman, a woman character than in those other films. But I didn't see it. I I think it's implied, but again, that was part of the wrong part that was cut. Yeah, 
I wanted to see more private moments between Me too. them. I did not want to see them interacting in front of people. And it was always her kind of at this level of like berating him for things he didn't do or said. And also after she had discovered he was having an affair. Yeah. That's the only scenes you get with the two of them, really. Yeah. Like it would be nice to see it at a lower level yeah. of like of heat where you're seeing them as an actual couple. Because yeah. all what the other- What got them together? What kept them together? What? Yeah. Like you- you get that, like yeah. that one scene of where yeah. they met, but you don't get a sense of their relationship. No. And, and so there was just like things throughout, very similar to that with like the scientist characters or um, like other than like Matt Damon's character. I, I actually really enjoyed him. I thought he would be a distraction for me based yeah. on a few trailer beats, but I, I really liked his character. It was the, and it's not that Robert Downey Jr. does anything wrong. He does a great performance. For but sure. But I feel like Christopher Nolan was just really enamored with it. Yeah, yeah. And it just, I, I don't know, it it starts to feel like a, uh, whoever he's playing, it feels like Robert Downey Jr.'s character yeah. is more the central character of this movie than Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer feels very kind of on the bench. And right. I mean, that's his personality, but you got to be aware of that when piecing that film together. And if the movie is about this guy, you've got to keep returning to this guy, not continuing to return to Robert Downey Jr.'s politician. Yeah. I, I watched this um, documentary on Criterion about um, that was made in like the 80s where a lot mm-hmm. of these these guys are still alive. And it's and he's Oppenheimer has died this at this point. And it's interviewing like the scientists that were involved with him and like kind of telling the story and talking about him. And that <laughs> honestly did a better job of like painting mm-hmm. this man as in a three-dimensional way mm-hmm. than this did. And it's not, and he's not involved in all it's all the, in any way. It's the the people after the fact yeah. and their experience with him. And from those stories alone, like and I'm sure the book probably had more. Um, you could have painted him in a much like rounder way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I was expecting. I, I think I had very high expectations, especially based on word of mouth and reviews. Yeah. I was really expecting to be blown away. And and again, I liked it more than you. I, I felt it was very good, but it was it was not the the revolutionary. I'm the same, like, I think I'm kind of the same place, but my, like, how I talk about it feels a little more negative. Like, I recognize the quality of the filmmaking and the level that all the actors are working at, but there was just a content thing that I was wanting more of certain things and less of others. And this, like, I wrote down this little thing of, um, well, I'm not going to read it, but I always thought... um, of cry of Christopher Nolan, kind of like as this indie filmmaker mm-hmm. who kind of is making big budget films with the mindset in the heart of indie film of an indie filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with this one, for me, like it's switched yeah. where he is this big budget filmmaker who is trying to shove all that into yeah. this very personal independent like like character study and it just doesn't totally mesh for me um yeah i i wish i because everyone's so glowing about this film i i'm curious how quickly that dies off after summer it might um i i feel like it's it's peaked in a way that it's one of those movies that that might actually fade quite a bit yeah uh come oscar time if there's ever oscars again (laughs) But yeah, but uh, yeah, I was just I'm just surprised by how many people 
and like what the what how much money this movie is yeah. making and stuff because it's kind of a strange movie for that yeah. to happen because this is almost like if it had fallen later in the year it would be like one of those award films mm-hmm. um but because it's like marketed as this giant historical epic big budget film yeah. it, it's it's strange to me yeah yeah. Uh, our final movie is Resurrection. This actually came out in 2022. Again, Clint and I watched it completely separate from each other and just for some reason did not talk about it until much later and realized that that we both were really impressed by this thing. Uh, here's the plot. A woman's carefully constructed life gets upended when an unwelcome shadow from her past returns, forcing her to confront the monster she's evaded for two decades. This stars uh, Rebecca Hall and Tim Roth. They're mm-hmm. kind of the central characters. Uh, there's also uh, Grace Kaufman, uh, who you might recognize her face, and a couple of other character actors. Uh, but Clint, what'd you, what'd you think of Resurrection? This was one that had been floating around, you know, I think it was on Shudder and it mm-hmm. was on like AMC and I kept seeing images for it. And I had recently watched, what was like the night house yeah. with um, Rebecca Hall. Yeah. And I've seen her in quite a few things and I always am very impressed by her. Like, I think she's a really great actor. And, um, but like the night house, I, the just movie alone, I wasn't super into like i just wanted different things from it and um so i kept like because that one and this one were kind of out around the same time i just kind of kept passing over this Mm -hmm. because i just like oh it's probably like another quick like Mm -hmm. horror thing like nighthouse even though nighthouse has got some interesting things but i just wanted more from it i had also just watched the watcher which, yeah. which we oh, both right. really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess I just assumed this would be a lesser version of that. For sure, because they were kind of beside each other, yep. like marketed, not marketed, but yep. like... And the trailers toge- are very similar. Yeah, grouped together on, you know, streaming services. But then I was like, I think this, I was sick and I just needed something to watch. I'd mm-hmm. blown through everything else I wanted to. And I was like, I'll give it a shot. And honestly, this is... W- <laughs> One of the best movies I've seen in quite a while. Hmm. Like, I was so surprised by how subtly strange this movie is. And the pacing of this film is pretty astounding of how well they do. Like, the first half hour, they don't even introduce what this movie really is about. But they do such a good job of, like, solidifying the relationship between her and her daughter and just her as a person in the, the how she operates, that by the time they get to like Tim Roth mm-hmm. and their dynamic, that you have a real sense of this person and what they, who they are, and then it gets rewritten of what she's been through yeah. and who she really is. Yeah, that just as a character development kind of thing, it's kind of masterclass. And then when it gets into the thing this film is really about, <laughs> it's one of the most bizarre yep. dynamics of characters and situations that I've seen in a film. Like outside of like, like this, this is almost like Cronenberg levels yep. Yep. of weird of weird, but and subtle. And it's so, such an amazing premise. I, I. It, I've watched this again before we talked about it, yeah. and it had no less like yeah. of power or, or over me. Um, it's I, interesting I because film. the the psychological manipulation at the heart of this thing, yeah, 
I'm not going to spoil it at all. No. That's that's what you watch this movie for. But when you first hear it, or if I even put it into a sentence, it would sound absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It would sound like the dumbest movie concept you could possibly think of. But the manner in which... And the it, commitment. It, and the commitment to this psychological manipulation and this, this insistence on a truth that can't possibly be true mm-hmm. and watching this woman fracture in that that truth or that falsehood is so well done. And yep. that's where this movie gets its its eeriness yeah. and really becomes affecting. Uh, and I wonder, because it, it actually has really low audience score on IMDb and different things like that. And I, I, <laughs> I wonder how much of it is just that that was just a, a, a bridge too far for some folks hmm. and didn't follow through to the end to see where it was going or what it was doing and just sort of, uh, you know, got off the boat halfway. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if they finish watching it, there's just times where you mentally check out of a movie instead of really just, where is this going? And it kept taking such interesting turns yep. that my my brain would not let go. Yeah, I was I was on board. I'm like, where is this going? And clear to the end, it's it's a it's a this could completely fall apart. Yeah, everything in this movie feels like it hinges on this premise, and if they don't stick the landing, it's all going to be a waste of time. But man, what a ride! They stick the landing. They, oh, for they sure. Really come through, and it at every at every point they go exactly where I. Not where I wanted it to go plot wise because right. it kept surprising me, but if that's uh, kind the plot of emotionally, you're choosing, yes, like if that's the plot you're choosing, yeah. commit to it, yeah, go for it, yeah. like really go all in on that idea, and they they do, and then some. And I love how like Tim when Tim Roth's character actually comes into the film mm-hmm. and how she talks about him beforehand, because how she talks about him in this way that she paints him as this menace and yeah. how he affected her life that when he actually shows up you feel that yeah. and he is so good of good at portraying that that you feel like this guy is this manipulator yeah. and this dark figure that was in her life early that you didn't even need to see like flashbacks or mm-hmm. anything you got a sense of who this guy was just watching her terror yeah. After she just sees him. Yeah, yeah. Her performance it's so, yeah. sells so much of For that sure. movie in that moment. And and it really locked me in. It's just like this, whoever this guy is and whatever he did, he really messed this woman up. Yeah. And it's um, so and you and you you're not sure like they hold out on what the thing is he did. Yeah. That you first kind of feel like I mean, just your own imagination is filling in that in that you, and it's not as weird as where it goes, that you're like, he can't be as bad as what she's saying, or it's going to be more um, like just benign that you're, you're not, you're, it's not going to be what you think. Like, he's just like some like bad relationship. Um, But where it goes is so interesting and both of them just playing off each other are so committed to the thing that's yeah. that's what's so amazing yeah. and i love the ambiguity of the end um like and just how that it's like a weird dreaminess um i this is one of my favorite films like i i think i put it on my 
favorites yeah. of that of yeah. the year. I think but, you might have put it on Discoveries or maybe it I was favorites remember. of the year. I can't remember. Or it was really uh, I don't know. But man, this movie is so good, yeah. and I wish like this and like The Watcher. Yeah, these are like these little films that are just you know not talked about enough. And these are the movies I wish would come to the theater. Yeah, uh, on a larger run that I could go and see. And I just I feel like movies like that don't really hit theaters anymore. They have to be big. Sure. They have to be splashy. They have to be whatever. If you would have told me a month ago that when talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer, we would get the most excited when talking about resurrection, <laughs> I would not have believed you. Uh, but that's, I mean, even sitting here watching Clint, yeah. uh, it, it's just, it animated him because yeah. it's just, it's a movie with ideas and it does something new and it, it just... And it's the in these just very good um actors at the yeah. height of their skills and yeah. it nothing like taking away from them like they give them the the spotlight yeah. in this film yeah. and at the heart of it too is a really great script and story yeah. well written um it just has all the elements that it needs to tell this weird psychological yeah. thriller that you didn't know you needed yeah. oh by the end it feels at the same time, shocking and completely inevitable. Yes. It's it's so well constructed yep. that it feels like there cannot possibly be another ending. But at the same time, it's like even on rewatch, it just, yep. I still, my jaw dropped literally. It just did like, man, they really go for this. Yep. And it just, thinking of all the ways this movie could end to really commit at that level mm -hmm. uh, to, your, to your ground floor concept. Man. Yep. Okay. And- they do a really good job of just the like back and forth cat and mouse thing of yeah. where it, like it'll flip. Yeah. Where one has the power, one then yeah. takes it. Um, and it just is constantly doing that. Yeah. Scene yeah. by scene. Um, yeah. So uh, Barbie was good fun. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little on the nose, but good fun. Don't watch it with a group of kids, maybe. Uh, Oppenheimer was not what we thought it was going to be. I liked it a little bit more than Clint, uh, but it, it still uh, just it needed some trimming or or some other focus. And then Resurrection. Resurrection's a blast uh, in all the right ways. It is uh, uh, quite the little horror thriller. Yeah. And uh, it's way more horror than you expect. Oh, for sure. By yeah. the end. Because, you know, there for a good while, it's like, this isn't a horror thriller. This is just straight thriller. No, it it goes horror. Um, definitely check it out, Resurrection. It's on Hulu um, currently. Is it really? Yep. Okay. Well, that makes that easy. Uh, so let's spin Cinetron and see what we're watching next. Okay. Ken. Mm -hmm. I'm ready. Potentially outside of things we normally talk okay. about, but it could be fun. Okay. Um, this is Confess Fletch. Uh, with John Hamm. John Hamm. That okay. was the thing that drew me to this. Have you uh, seen this yet? No. 
very interested in your take on this. All right. So I had a good time. I will, oh, I will okay. tell you up front, but um, I won't I won't tell you where on like good to great to whatever yeah, yeah. I landed. But it it was legitimately worth watching. Okay. Cool. Um, so so don't 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 slog. fear too much. It won't it will not be a slog. <laughs> you may not like it, but you're not gonna. I liked on him it. though. Yeah, and, so, and he really he looked delightful in the trailer. He holds the movie. I don't know if the movie's as good as he is. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, That's no, okay. he's a lot of fun. No, actually, I I watched this a bit ago. I I look forward to watching it again. Um, I might actually go back and watch the Chevy Chase Fletch while I'm at it. I've never seen it that. I've you know. seen it. Yeah. I'm just unsure of how it's aged. Right. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Yeah. And uh, it was it was one of those, I think it's PG, but it's actually PG-13. Oh, it was, it was like that. before that. Yeah. yeah I All right. think. Uh, you know, don't. Don't hold me to it, but I I think. But no, I, I might just go back and watch that one too. Just okay. For, just for kicks. So, all right. That sounds fun. I like it. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, this has been episode 88. I did not make a Back to the Future joke. Just two references. You're welcome. What? I don't get it. 88 miles an hour, oh, Clint. Okay. I'm not a... I'm not a Back to the Future head like you. Really? No, I do like Back to the oh, Future. Okay. I just don't have it memorized. 1.21 gigawatts, 88 miles an hour, 1985 to 1955. This is a movie of numbers, and these numbers <laughs> matter, Clint. It I'm matters. sorry to disappoint. I'm sorry. It matters. 2015, 1885. Mm. It's good stuff. Mm. I just don't movie, remember all the numbers. I was, I was seven years old. When Back to the Future hit theaters, yeah. and I got to see it in the theater, and I remember just thinking, "Magic exists." Um, it just, it's, yeah, it really. Uh, I get some of it. You know, you can see the seams, and it's dated now. But at the time, oh, I don't. Yes, yeah, I couldn't great. see any of it. It was yeah. just that person is disappearing, and that car is disappearing in flames. And you love the love triangle between him and his mom? No, it's no. So good. I didn't understand any of that at the time. <laughs> it's so much more uncomfortable now. Which you can really tell how the generations have changed because when my son watched it at seven or eight, he was just like, ew. Yeah. I was like, why didn't I ew? <laughs> like, it wasn't that I thought it was cool. It just did not occur to me what was happening. But my son was just like, oh, I totally get what's happening right now. And that's gross. Was he seven when he saw it though? He was probably seven or oh, eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's much more advanced than I am in the ways of the world. So <laughs> he's a worldly man. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode 88 of Cinebabble. As always, you can find Back us. Back to the future reference. There you go. Yeah, I got at it. Cinebabble on Instagram or contact at Cinebabblecast.com. Uh, I was trying to say it too fast there. Uh, send us some feedback. I know I say this every time. I've got a pile of feedback. We really should get to that. Uh, yeah, probably, we should do an episode or something. Just do a mailbag episode yeah. next time. All right, we might. Um, or you know, a instead of what single. you're watching, oh, we can yeah. do we can do mailbag and then we'll do whatever we're yeah. reviewing. I like that. I like that. We haven't done mailbag in a while. All right, so Clint, you have yourself a good one. Last minute recommendation. What? Last minute recommendation. Give of us one. what a movie of a recommendation show movie show. What do you I, do it right I, now? This hurts my face. <laughs> I don't think that quickly. Uh, I can give you not recommendations. That works too. Uh, Knights of the Zodiac. Okay. Uh, which is a, an anime uh, adaptation of a series. And uh, it, it somehow is one of those movies that really should be Asian, but instead they cast Sean Bean and Famke oh, okay. Jensen and all these other not Asian people. 
to fill the roles and it's terrible. Mm, I'll, I'll ignore that one. Yeah. Okay. Mine is The Righteous Gemstones. Oh, okay. The last good third one. season. Surprisingly is very sweet by the end and okay. it's delightful. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. That really threw me off. I was trying to throw you for a loop for it a minute. It hurt like physical <laughs> pain is what just happened in my brain and face. That's my life's goal to give you pain. I love it. All yeah. right, Clint. I'll see you next time. Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint. <laughs>